Welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Richard Irving from Wagering Capital Management. Richard, thanks for coming on. The Business of Betting podcast is proudly brought to you by the Betfair Hub from Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you want expert articles from pro punters, from building automated models to betting psychology, check out the Betfair Hub. Betfair.com.au slash hub. Gamble responsibly. Richard Irving from Wagering Capital Management. Richard, thanks for coming on. Jake, how you doing, mate? Nice to be back. Yeah, very nice to have you back, my friend. Uh, obviously, last time we spoke about a few different topics, but let's just get stuck into it with WCM. Tell us about how how that morphed into being and, and why you're spending more of your time on that now and, and what has happened to, to make that come to life for you. Yeah, so uh, Wagering Capital Man- Management is a pretty sort of unique boutique kind of little um, wagering group, I guess. And essentially what we're trying to do is connect sophisticated gamblers out there with capital to help them make more money. Um, That's sort of the crux of it. We're not trying to make people better gamblers, although, you know, the people that I'm involved with in, in wagering capital management do have a lot of experience and expertise, so might be able to help a little bit in different aspects of, um, of wagering. But, yeah, it's it's just it's just funding gamblers really. It's I don't really know if there's any other businesses out there like that. Um, and we're mostly trying to do it around sort of high liquidity markets, Betfair, possibly some totes around the world, but mostly just Betfair. It's pretty hard to bet with any of the corporate bookmakers anywhere around the world because um, none of them really take your bets. And and as for the Australian fixed odds horse racing market, I already sort of bet into that in the syndicate, so we're pretty set there. Um, so yeah, it's just a bit of an idea that me and a couple other people came up with, um, and we launched it before Christmas and, um, it's been good so far. Good, good response. Um, working with a few people already, um, and just trying to spread the word and see if we can help people out there. And it's not, certainly not Australia centric. It's all over the world. It's so easy to connect with anybody these days and do business with people on, on other side of the world. Um, which is one of the things that drew us, drew me and the people I set the business up with, um, to, to take a stab at it. So I've certainly seen this type of thing being done before, you know, in the past with things even like entity betting in Nevada. And I think as long as gambling has existed, you know, bankrolling people, whether it's something like staking poker players or or even horses and, and sports and other things, there's always seemingly a, a way to do this type of thing. But I don't think it's necessarily been as, as formalized and, and organized. And I'm guessing you're looking for, you know, a type of person, maybe aspirational type people who are skilled and have a certain skill set, but maybe are lacking certain things and they can look to you for that expertise uh, and, and other things that they might need and, and, and outsource aspects of their betting. So just tell me, I'm guessing the type of person is critical, but what other elements are you looking for or what things will, will pique your interest? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of very smart people out there um, who are time poor and also financially poor um and so what we want to try and do is um is give them a bit of help and you know the hypothetically speaking it might be you know a young woman or man who are working for an investment bank or something and do a lot of financial modeling around the stock market and whatnot and they've decided to make a, a model on let's say english soccer for example uh and have found it to be profitable but don't have the time 
time's a big thing because if you're working full time, you don't have the time to properly facilitate, um, you know, the bets, uh, and also might ha- not have the the money that you know a, that a, a model needs to uh, be successful. So we're trying to um, help those type of people out, um, and uh, and one important point to make is we're not trying to steal their ideas or steal their model. We only really need to see their past results and have a bit of a look at what um, what their model would look like into the future. Um, we're not trying to you know steal their intellectual property in any way, um, and we're just you know trying to fund them and give it a bit of a go and you know. Um, hopefully make some money for them and, and make some money for us. Um, and they can, the other point too is that people might already be betting on these models and betting quite small. There's no reason why they can't continue to bet with their own money small and then set up a bigger um, a bigger betting syndicate with us. Um, and the the beauty of it, of, of the model that we've got, is that there's no risk to um, the person who, you know, decides to go into partnership with us if we decide that we want to go into, into it with them as well so it's it's no risk to the the person um so it's really just sort of a win-win um but obviously it's hard to win in these marketplaces and there's very few people out there who can actually build winning models um so um you know it's a, a slow and steady process and um we'll see how it goes are there more possibilities and, and different types of markets than we might think for this type of thing? Or is it still a pretty small circle? And, you know, obviously there's things like Hong Kong racing and all the way down and at a certain point it probably cuts off. But even things in the Australian market like AFL, Aussie Rules Football and Rugby League, are we getting to the point now where they're viable or is that still a challenge and it, it takes time? Yeah, it's it, like even Rugby League and AFL in Australia, it's going to be pretty hard because there's just not the liquidity there. I mean, the you know the, the sports that are probably were most drawn to are going to be soccer, definitely um, basketball a little bit, um, maybe some of the American sports a little bit. But it's mostly we're mostly looking at Betfair. I mean, we would love to be able to branch out and bet with bookmakers and and other things, but it's just not particularly realistic um, because it's just you know so hard. To get set, and the other thing that we are is a big part of wagering capital management is automation. So we, we want to help people um, with robots that can bet into Betfair and stuff. And, and the other thing we do is we pay for the the um, the building of those robots, which can be quite expensive and, and quite time consuming. And I'd imagine a lot of people out there might not know where to start with all that stuff. And you know, we've got good connections to people who are good at um, robot automation and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be pretty heavily towards Betfair. I wish it wasn't, but it's just that's the way of the gambling world, isn't it? So it sounds like getting involved with some of those corporate bookies, you know, on certain markets we've been talking about for for your category of punter might just be, you know, getting towards untenable these days. Yeah, it is. I mean, the the, the market in Australia is still not too bad. Um, I'm pretty disappointed with the regulators. They've been pretty inept in what they've done to look after winning gamblers feels like a lot of them have dropped by the wayside because it's become really hard to win. Um, you know, the, all the taxes and fees have raised the percentages. And I don't really have that much of an issue with that because it is what it is. You know, gambling needs to fund a lot of things. But where I think the regulators have been really disappointing is they have 
been very weak in their administration of the minimum bet limit. Um, bookies still get away with a lot of stuff. They've made no changes to the rules in the six or seven years that we've had um, minimum bet limits now. And the rules were very much favoured towards the bookies when they first came out. And the bookies have um, manipulated the rules even further in their way. And I don't think I've seen the regulators make one change to any of the rules, even though they've been hit ad nauseum by a lot of punters with complaints about how much better the rules could be. So it's disappointing. Um, I don't – I sort of get the feeling that the, the regulators and the governments don't care too much about winning punters. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, it is what it is, you know. Um, will that have a, a negative impact long term? Probably, probably. Um, but, you know, you just – you just press on and you, you bet where you can and uh, and keep doing your best. But it is, it's very, I find it very hard. The Australian market is very, very hard at the moment. Um, but there's still people out there making money. You just got to adjust and keep trying. What about Betfair and, and the exchange landscape? I'm guessing a lot of these dynamics and things are pushing people in that direction. Is that something that, that's net positive overall for for betting and then you're kind of punter or is that something that's still, you know, is, is a challenge and, and not that easy? Um, probably, yeah. I mean, bet, Betfair is sort of the best of the best, you know. Um, you've got to be very, very, very good to win on Betfair. Um, you know, in my time, I've always struggled to win on Betfair. I, I find it a great tool. Um, I've always found it easy to win off the corporate bookies. There'd be a lot of punters out there who'd be the same. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably not in a position to answer that because I'm not really at the level where I consistently went off Betfair. But Betfair, I mean, look, the liquidity on Betfair seems great, even on Australian racing. Um, there's a lot of people on there. and I mean, it, every punter should be on there because it gives you the best choice, really, doesn't it? And most, most of the time, the best price as well. So how are the Aussie horse racing markets or even the Sydney horse racing markets faring these days? I think it's been probably a couple of years, maybe two years since we last spoke and Things have certainly evolved on many fronts since then, including obviously COVID, but you know other things and, and changes in the landscape as well. But I think Betfair obviously plays a, a key role and helps prop up probably some of the other bookmaking efforts. But overall, you know, in a twenty twenty one context, how are things? Yeah, I think the bookies are doing quite well. I think the COVID's been pretty good for them. A lot of people are at home with you know with not a huge amount to do, so there's a lot more recreational dollar out there betting. Um, so that's good. You know, obviously the bookies need to make money. So I think that they've had a pretty good year. Um, they probably needed it because they've had to absorb a lot of fee hikes and also extra taxes and stuff. But I think that generally speaking, they're doing pretty well. Um, yeah, the market overall, Australian uh, horse racing market is pretty good. Um, there's a lot of racing to bet on. Uh, it's pretty easy to get on. I've got to say that, you know, the, uh, the, um, there's a lot of bookies out there, which is good, so there's a lot of choice. Um, and when I was whinging before about the minimum bet limit, um, I wasn't so whinging that it's hard to get on. I just It just gets frustrating that, that bookies still feel that they shouldn't have to take bets from all gamblers. That's the sort of the frustrating thing, and I think that the regulators could do a much better job of smothering that down, that the regulators should make it very clear that all punters need to be traded the same, and I, don't, I think they could do a better job at that. But in terms of a good big liquid market to bet into. Australian racing is doing very well and the regulators done a, a really good job actually. Um, and you can't commend them highly enough to basically roll the whole way through COVID um, unscathed. Um, and that would have been a huge, huge sort of logistical effort by them. And I'm sure it continues to be. So um, 
that part of things they've done incredibly well. And we're really lucky that we still can bet into the Australian horse racing market. What about some of the other areas? I know we talked a lot about a a punters union or a coalition to, to sort of join forces with others and, and try and get some positive changes in the industry. And I know there's some, some challenges that came with that, but how are those aspects faring? Has there been any positive movement and, and change when it comes to that? I think it's all on the back burner. I mean, no one really seems to push it other than me. The regulators had zero interest in talking to me. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. It's basically just... Yeah, there's just nothing happening. There seems to be no appetite to make anything happen. Occasionally, I hear from a few pissed off people saying, what's going to happen? I say, well, nothing until somebody does something. Um, but that's not going to be me. I've sort of had enough of it all. I've got too many other things going on. And part of the reason that um, I'm sort of trying to branch out a bit is because, you know, you, it gets harder and harder to make money in the Australian horse racing market. So you sort of got to look elsewhere at, at different opportunities, which is, you know, a bit, a bit around the wagering capital management thing and, trying to bet into some other markets that I haven't previously bet into. Um, yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine back in Australia a while ago around the time of the Dr. Nick news and and even some sort of rumblings about some other bigger players maybe taking their capital elsewhere or, or stepping out of the markets. How has that sort of landed? Now there's been some time since then and there was plenty of doom and gloom talked about. Has it you know, eventuated or has things sort of been a little bit better than, than some had predicted or what's that sort of, what's the wash there? Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing I really noticed with Dr. Nick is that you don't see the horses firm as much. I mean, he was way over overreacted to in the market. You know, he'd come in and back a $15 chance in the bookies had instantly turned it into $7 and $6 and stuff. So you don't see that happening as much. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't really seem to have made a huge difference. I wouldn't really know the difference it's made in terms of turnover and and in turn funding to the industry. Um, you would have to find that out from for the regulators, but I mean, all the metrics at the moment that seem to be coming out of the race clubs is um, that turnover is doing pretty well. Um, so, I mean, it's probably been cushioned a bit by the, the COVID impact of there being a lot of a lot more discretionary money in the, um, uh, or I should say, non discretionary money in the marketplace. Um, so, yeah, it's it's hard to know. But look, I mean, he had a lot of turnover and it's gone now. So. It's had to have had some impact, but it's it's hard to it's hard to see it. And I, I, it seems like there's virtually hardly any syndicates betting into the Australian market now. Of those really big syndicates, I feel like a lot of them have um, have left and and even and have even left the tote markets as well. I mean, the totes in Australia are pretty pathetic, really. Yeah. So, so what's happening there? Because I've certainly heard plenty of the tab rumours, and I've even heard rumours swirling here in the US that, that involve the tab. And I have no idea if any of those are even remotely true or have any substance but is that something that you think might be revivable at all when it comes to the tab obviously COVID and the the push to online of course might be you know good generally for bookmakers but when you have a huge retail focus like they do it may not be the the perfect storm that they might want so you know how do you think that might evolve over the coming months and years yeah well I mean the the really interesting thing with the tab will be is if that Matthew Tripp led private equity buyout thing that has been talked about in the newspapers happens. It would be quite a remarkable move if Matt Tripp could facilitate a private equity joint to buy out the tab wagering arm. And that would probably lead, I mean, hopefully that would lead to sort of a regeneration of the, um, of the totes um, to make them more competitive and things like that. So, you know, it seems like that, that's happening in the background. I know nothing more about it than what I've read in the paper. 
but I would imagine that um, if uh, if that happens, then we might get some pretty substantial change in the totes and stuff. Um, but I don't know. I mean, everyone, you know, Tabcorp management admit that the totes are in a in a bad state. Everyone in the racing industry says we're in a bad state, and yet nothing seems to change. Um, so something's got to give pretty soon. Could anything change to to revitalize that type of business and bring back more more bigger and smaller and, and medium groups to, to help it along? Or do you think it's going to be too big of a challenge? Because, you know, we don't need to get to Hong Kong levels, but can it be a, a key component of the wagering industry in the Australian market? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the reason the totes are dropping is because they're too expensive when you compare them to sports betting and also fixed odds betting. Um and so that you know, so what are they going to do? What are the, the only way they're going to get people back betting them is to is to make them a little bit less expensive to bet into. Um, and a lot of punters wouldn't even realise that you know if you drop the say you drop the com rate from eighteen percent down to say fourteen or thirteen or something. A lot of punters one wouldn't realise two probably wouldn't even care. But um, what it would do is make their money go further and turn over more. So yeah, it seems like I mean. There's no way the totes are going to fix themselves on their own, is there? So it seems like there's only one possible solution, and that's to make it cheaper um, and try and make up for the, the the less funding the industry and government's going to get from a from a lower takeout rate by increasing turnover. And then you probably could encourage some of those syndicates that um, that were betting into them to come back. But I mean, a lot of people don't want those syndicates. A lot of punters think that those syndicates didn't really help them. They just um, you know, took, took all the money for themselves. I don't really have an opinion either way on whether the syndicates are good good for the general punting population or not. Um, but so, yeah, someone someone needs to come in with into the totes with some good ideas and get some stuff done because it's been it's been a conversation for five years now and nothing's happened. Um, but in saying that, you know, Tab's done very well with fixed odds and they're a public company and they've made a lot of money out of fixed odds and. Ultimately, that's what they're there to do. They're there to make money for their shareholders. So the Totes demise has been to the advantage of fixed odds. So that would be a strong argument Tabcorp could make and a very fair one. Um, yeah. Well, at least from my observations, uh, we're going in the wrong direction. I think the POC tax in Victoria is going up or is, has already gone up, is about to go up when it comes to, uh, I think, the same level as New South Wales and you know, around the discussion of how do we make it cheaper, how do we have the wagering dollars go further, should increase involvement, you know, activity and, and encourage that. The trend line and the direction seems to be going the other way. So it's not necessarily a great thing to be seeing when you're talking about revitalizing um, a wagering product. Is there any way or anything you see that might be possible to switch that direction and that trend line? Or is that something that's a little bit, you know, insurmountable at the moment? Uh, wave a magic wand probably... Um... <laughs> you know, the private equity shaking up Tabcorp would be pretty good. Um, I have no idea what chance that is happening. I would say there'd be a huge amount of regulatory hurdles for Tabcorp to be, you know, delisted and then be taken in the arms of a of a private equity mob. But their private equity mob is all about making money, so they would probably, um, you know, shake it up a lot. Um, that that would be one option. Um, and I, I, other than that, I think that Tabcorp management have just got to make some big decisions and 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 do some modelling and, and and try it and um, yeah and 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's seems simple to me. You just got to drop the takeover rate. What 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 else can you do? Like no one like, you know, like you look at the in terms of product innovation. It seems like people don't really care. I mean, you got that odds and evens thing. No one cares about that. That's you know been very ineffective and stuff. So it seems like the only option now is to to make it cheaper. What about on the punting side? Because I know many people, you know, betting sports had to deal with changes in lineups, COVID slash injury updates, postponements. You know, no fans or no crowds, so home field advantage might have shifted. Travel plans, you know, in disarray. Horse racing doesn't seemingly look like it had that much of an impact. And obviously, you know, a major shakeup like COVID hasn't really happened since EI, you know, a while a while ago now. Were there variables that changed for you? Did things come out differently? How did you attack it? Yeah, I would say not nothing changed at all. It was remarkable the impact that, that COVID didn't have on racing. I think that... The market stayed just as liquid, if not more liquid, because as I said before, there was more people at home. Um, and I think that, yeah, it was um, nothing really changed. You know, that, yeah, I mean, it's, that's talking from an Australian point of view. I, I couldn't comment on what happened in the rest of the world, but I mean, Australia's been pretty lucky because it's been reasonably unscathed by COVID. But no, I didn't really notice anything really changed. It was just, um, just, you know, another year at the office, so to speak. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And, and on the punting side, how have things evolved? You know, even in the last four, five, six years, are you doing much the same? Is your process similar? Is your day-to-day much the same? Are there other things impacting the marketplace? Or how do you see it in terms of an evolution of the market? It's pretty, it's, it's pretty similar, really. Um, and one nice thing is that there's a lot of bookmakers out there. A lot of the on-course bookmakers have started to open up their own online shops. So, um yeah, there's, I would say that there'd have to be probably 25, maybe 25 to 30 online bookies in Australia, um, which is pretty great. And you've got to remember that every single one of those have to take your bets on horse racing. Um, so that's that's a pretty good liquid market. Um, and that's, you know, I know your share goes out to people all over the world. It's, um, you know, they, they can look at the Australian market um, because of those, you know, because of the, the high liquidity of it. Um, but no, it's, the Australian market just kind of just rolls along, really. You know, they, um, it's it's well run and it's it's well organised. And I mean, there's obviously a huge amount of racing. It's amazing. You know, sometimes you think to yourself, who you know, who feeds and trains these and pays the training fees of all these horses? Because there's just so many meetings all around Australia. And we're a pretty small population. Um, and yeah, it just keeps on keeping on, which is good. And what about the the sharper groups and you know the syndicates? Are they Still attacking things much the same, at least to your knowledge, or, or how are they adapting over these, you know, handful of years as well? I think so. I think so. They, um, yeah, just it doesn't seem like there's many left, really. I mean, you sort of hear that the, the Humbleton group are doing a bit, um, and then there was a few other like larger syndicates that I think have completely left Australia altogether. And you've also got, got Dr. Nick, and then yeah, but it doesn't. It, it, it seems like. It's much much less crowded at the, at the top end of the of the winning punter um, winning punter end of things. It just doesn't seem to be that many people around betting because I probably think that they found it to be too hard. And what about the remaining segments of the markets? And whether it's sort of the weekend warrior punters, whether it's even the semi professionals that are still spending a fair bit of time at it and want to try and grind out a an earn, is it? still a, a viable interesting marketplace for those types um, because it sounds like you know with, with options with bookmakers with data and information and the flow of that there's still plenty of great things for that group and it's not necessarily all bad but it depends on where you are and where you fit no, it's, it's fantastic and if you're 
I mean, there's so much information out there, and there's a lot of tipsters, and a lot of those tipsters are pretty good. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you, and especially with all the, the special offers that Bookie gives you, if, you, if you're a you know semi-professional partner who wants to make a bit of money to complement their you know their income from their other job or whatnot, um, yeah, I think it's 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 a great time. There's you know you've got to be a bit cunning and and a bit strategic and stuff, but there's um yeah it's there's a lot of opportunities out there to make money. And I mean, you've got to work at it and you've got to um, put in the hours of trying different things and, and, and whatnot. But um, no, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great time. There's a, there's a lot of, um, lot of opportunity out there to make money and, um, and you just got to uh, keep trying. And, and that's why I've sort of tried to set up this business wagering capital management is because there's a lot of smart people out there um, who don't want to take the risk of one leaving their day job or don't want to risk, their money um so i'm trying to put them you know if they've got good ideas put them in touch with people who have got a lot more capital than they do and you know hopefully it's a win-win for everyone out of it so um yeah there's a lot of opportunity out there there always will be um just gonna keep trying so what does a successful 2021 look like for you obviously been a strange 12 or 18 months for everyone but you know, is WCM, you know, the key focus for you, pushing that forward? Is it more punting side? Tell us about what, what you want that to look like. Yeah, I'll still keep I'll still keep doing my betting on the Australian horse racing. Um, I bet on Hong Kong a bit as well, so I'll do that. And, um, and uh, yeah, it'd be nice to get, you know, a few, uh, a few partnerships off the ground with wagering capital management. Um, I'm, I'm not unrealistic in how hard it is to win out there, especially when you're betting into the, into Betfair and, you know, it's going to, um, it's going to take a bit of time to, to get some good partnerships going. But, yeah, no, 2021 would be successful for me if I ended the year healthy and made a bit of money on Australian racing and also got a few people out there going um, with their own betting partnerships through the wagering capital management thing. Um, yeah, and, uh, and hopefully the world itself is in a better place and we've got on top of COVID and, um, you know, I think that would be a pretty good year. I'm guessing that you probably have to say no fairly often and probably far more than you say yes when it comes to WCM and and getting people involved. Um, certainly when you talk about high, high liquid markets and trying to beat those, it's, it's obviously tough. But, you know, what sort of criteria or process or task is required to be able to partake? Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, you know, they've, got, they've got to show us the results of their model. So, and that, that's just results. Like we're not actually looking at their model. And then if those... Um, uh, you know, those results are impressive enough, then we need to sort of get a better feeling of how they get to that. Um, and that's obviously we're doing that without them handing over their intellectual property. And then it's just, a, it's a, you know, you never know with these things. So you just got to go through a bit of a trial and error and, you know, put some money behind it and, and, and see how it goes. And um, hopefully it gets off to a good start. And then it, um, you know, it's just keep going from there. So yeah, it'll, uh, you know, we're not going to be funding hundreds of people around the world. It's going to be more, you know, um, in, in the dozens, I'd say eventually. So um, yeah, so that's uh, um, that's where that would go. So someone in California is treated the same as, as someone in Sydney or or in London. Hundred percent. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and that's the other thing too around automation is that you know with all these different time zones and stuff, as much as possible, you want to try and get a robot to do all the betting for you because um, robots make less mistakes. Robots are the best employees you can have, really. So they work, work all day long. You don't have to pay them. 
So someone's listening, they're interested, but they haven't necessarily bet with robots before. They haven't immersed themselves in the Betfair exchange or the exchange environment. What prep work can they be doing? Should they be thinking about a few things in advance or is it certainly a wide open door? Yeah, it's pretty much an open door. But if you 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 know, if you know, don't even have a model or anything, there's probably not a huge point in, in contacting me at the moment. But that's not to say that I'm, I mean, I like chatting with everyone about anything in it. Um, anything to do with wagering so you know they can go to the website or they can visit i think i'm on twitter as well for the website um and you know if you've got any questions or whatnot just just ask me I and mean, I'm, I'm i'm always out there asking other people questions about different things in the industry so um yeah people got questions ask me i think that i'd like wagering capital management to do is inspire people to try and build models you know there might be someone out there who thinks that they've got the intellect and the aptitude to, to write a good model but have always shied away from it because they think themselves, well, if I actually do the model, what am I going to do now? I'm too busy with work or I've got the money to properly fund it. Well, they know now that if they can, you know, build a, a profitable model, that there's a pretty good chance that there's going to be some capital there to help them um, monetize it properly. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's going to be a slow burn. There's no doubt about that. Well, I think the other thing is there probably are people out there that are, doing really well and then modeling and making some money and then they're sort of happy with how that's going but they they don't love an aspect or a component of they don't want to be sitting in front of a screen betting all day necessarily and obviously the the capital is is very nice um but to outsource certain components might be the thing they're looking for the most and if they can find that with someone sort of trustworthy and and are able to upskill and outsource and not necessarily lose that um roi it's it's probably a good yeah totally and we're you know, I mean, I'm open to anything. You know, if someone's got us got really good results of a semi-developed model and, and need help in the in the form of computer programmers and stuff to get it to the to the end, um, you know, of course I'd be open to talking about that as well and, and trying to help them. Um, I mean, that's not to say there wouldn't be many other people out there as well who want to try and help these people. So, you know, I mean, if people if people, if people are smart and and and, um, and have uh, you know, sophisticated, clever ways of making money, those people often find capital because there's a lot of people out there who want to try and invest in those things. So I'm not, you know, I don't think I'm reinventing anything here. I think that, um, or sorry, inventing anything here. Um, yeah, just uh, just uh, trying to put it all together and see how it goes. Before I let you go, I just wanted to ask, has anyone stepped up and filled the void when it comes to the punters union stuff or is that something that you stepped away from and, and left it behind and it doesn't seem like a position that anyone's ready to, to jump straight into after you left it yeah as far as i can tell it's dead and uh i haven't heard of anybody doing anything about it um but i'd probably sort of advise them not to because i mean the reason i quit was because you know i had a very passive unresponsive group of regulators who really didn't give a shit, you know. So that's kind of why I um, gave up on it. Um, so, you know, I'd love to see someone do a better job than me. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd cheer them on. But um, <laughs> so far, we have not seen anyone rise to the occasion. <laughs> yeah, no, I've certainly seen some, some positive steps and efforts in Australia with what you've done and obviously a little bit in the UK as well. The US is its own beast and there's been some you know, movement there, but not necessarily in recent times. And I think, like you've said and hearing you talk about it, there's plenty of time that goes into it and not necessarily the, uh, the same output that matches that or that you would like when it comes to this type of thing. So I, I know it's a tricky one. 
Yeah, well, the advantage of the Australian thing too was at least it was a precedent. Like on-course bookmakers have always had minimum bet limits, so you, we kind of leveraged off that. Whereas, you know, in the UK and USA, I don't think there's any any precedent other than the casinos no. ban anyone and anyone who's got half an idea and have been able to do it since day one simply because they're the casinos and they're allowed to do whatever they want. So, um, yeah. So best way for those who are interested to reach out, is it is it wageringcm.com or through Twitter or what's easiest? That's it, yeah, wageringcm.com. Um, and then um, they can also just, I'm on Twitter. Uh, if they just put wagering capital management into the search of Twitter or, yeah, that's that's the best uh, best way to find me. And um, yeah, I'd love to chat with people and see what they're all up to. Awesome. Well, absolutely wish you the best of luck with it. And, you know, anything we can do to help some of those recreational or semi-pros take it up a level is a great thing. So I wish you well. It's always great to chat. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. And then hopefully we can do it again soon sometime. Appreciate it, Jake. And um, you take care and we'll talk soon. 